My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is the delightful and dynamic Robert Stevenson. Robert is a coach, a trainer, a mentor, a speaker. For a number of years, was the director for coaching at Animas, one of the largest diversified coaching schools in UK and Europe. And he's been doing this work for over 10 years, and he has a deeply humanistic approach to his work that's grounded not only his love of the practice of coaching, but also in his clear love of human beings and the ways in which we can engage with all of our senses and all of our dimensions to, to write and rewrite the stories of our lives. He got his start, or I don't know if start is the right word, but an earlier step in his journey was actually working as a trained actor and mime artist. And his capacity to sort of recognize that we are all, in a sense, operating in the theater of our own minds and hearts, and also with each other operating in this co-created theater that we call civilization or culture or society. As I believe it was Shakespeare said, we are all but players on the stage. Robert invites us into the possibility that we can play those roles that we play in the lives of others and that we, that we take on for ourselves. We can play those roles wholeheartedly and beautifully in a way that enlivens our relationship to the world and activates our highest potential. This was a really playful, exploratory, divergent conversation. And we touch on a lot of the different levels involved with how you engage with another person in their growth journey. So whether or not you're a coach, in fact, I would argue if even better, if you're not a coach, this conversation is for you because it, it might open or unlock a door that up until now had simply been invisible for you. And if you care at all about, um, about diversity of experience, diversity, neurodiversity, the diversity of how we are physiologically and, and uh, neurobiologically wired, diversity of identity, of culture, um, of race, of ethnicity, of all of these different ways of understanding who a person is and, and how they are in the world and how we can both include and transcend all of that, then this conversation is for you. So let's get settled in. <sighs> and hear what Robert has for us. Robert, welcome to the Wonder Dome. Hey, thanks, Andy. Yeah, it's really took us a bit of took us a bit to get here. I'm glad we didn't lose the thread, though. I'm really glad we 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 had we were able to make this work. 
Yeah, it's 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 interesting how sometimes you kind of have this desire to connect and converse and life happens, people move on, things change, and you have to kind of just search on through to find that thread once more. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we haven't had a lot of time together, but, you know, the 30 minutes or so that we did a couple months ago, I just immediately had a, a felt sense of, uh, of a kindred spirit of someone who is doing really meaningful work in the world as a coach, as a leader, as a change maker. And so it was just sort of like immediate, immediately for me, it was like, hell yes. Like I want to talk more <laughs> with Robert. So, I, so it was just a, a matter of picking that thread up again. I'm glad we did. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, this it's August. Uh, I want to dive into your work and you, and yeah. And how you think about it and, and, and what it looks like, but it's, it's August 18th, uh, 2021. And I just, it's just the, the, the global complexity that we're, all of us as human beings are existing mm. right now feels so I'll speak for myself. It feels intense. It feels, uh, it can feel confusing. It can feel overwhelming. It can also feel energizing, like a sense of urgency and purpose emerging in the face of the complexity. And, and I'm just curious to hear how you're anchoring yourself in the midst of it all. And, and I welcome you to kind of speak from whatever identities, you know, as coach, as human being, as, as partner, like that, that you want to speak yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. I think so anchoring is a really interesting, interesting word. And it sort of brings up that sort of metaphor or picture rather of, you know, that what, what's holding you in place, even though the sea might be be rough and and mixed and there's all of this kind of chaos going on. And and I think um in some senses, I think I'm really lucky because I have people around me who are sort of very political and very activist in their nature. Mm. So they share a lot about what's going on. So they're almost like my news feed. Mm. So I get to hear what's happening and they share and opinionate about this without having a desire for me to have to have an opinion. Mm. So there's something really lovely about, about that. Um, and also because I'm part of this sort of coaching community, coaching culture, there are people around me who have mindfulness practices that have rubbed off on me over time. So there is that, you know, how, when are you going to meditate? When are you going to take time for yourself? When are you just going to look out the window at the trees and just ponder life without the complexity of the human world sort of falling into that? But I think the other part of this is to is to find those spaces to share the the overwhelm or the complexity as you see it. So there's stuff happening right now where I'm just I'm just so confused. I'm like, so we went in to help, and now we're leaving, mm. and all the help that we did is is undone in moments. So what did we really do? And Mm. Then I start thinking, so why were we even there? And what does that mean? And mm. and without wanting to tread on anybody else's belief or philosophy or religion, I sort of question what, what does this mean for me and my beliefs? And where am I outraged? And, you know, is that outrage justified or is that mm. just my, my stuff that I need to, to, to check on or to look at? And, and where am I going 
how on earth did we get here? Because I think that's yeah. the biggest question for me is how did we get here? Yeah. And and I thinking also about this from a, a climate ecology space as well. It's like, you know, how did we get to the point where you've got some industries running ahead to create change to, to save the planet and you've got other industries just acting as normal as if there is nothing to look at. You've got people saying, well, you know, there's nothing happening in the world, but at the same time you're watching the news and there's fires and there's floods everywhere. And it's like, okay, something is going on. Right. And then in the midst of all of this, you know, I have conversations with friends that say, well, we're just a speck in a moment of time. And we will be gone and the earth will continue and it will re regenerate, re reflourish, do its own thing and, and continue. And maybe there'll be somebody around to, to remember us and our part in all of this. Mm-hmm. And maybe there won't be. And, and, and that also I find really fascinating that the idea that everything's so important, but also ha- has no importance. Yeah. Yeah. You said so much. I feel like, you've just sort of laid a possible groundwork for our whole conversation. Uh, And I feel like parts of me wanting to pull on every thread that you just named, but that last one really resonates with me, this kind of deep time perspective on, Mm. uh, on our place in the earth's story, maybe our place in the earth's Mm. journey. Like your first question, one of your questions is how on earth, how on earth did we get here? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, this is really like how on earth. Right. And there's this, it's this incredibly complex living dynamic planet that we are, as some of your friends have pointed out, there's this kind of infinitesimal smallness to us yeah. in a way that can, for some people I sense is terrifying for others among us. It's a kind of liberating and And I sense a way that you're holding kind of both, like how is it that we influence all of this and how is it that also we don't influence any of it? And and, and I think, I think part of that way of holding that is, is I guess my own coaching practice. It's like, this is really important, Mm. but it's also not. Mm. And it's like, Mm. you know, Mm. when I think about time, I go, you know, what's happening to me right now? I go, oh my gosh, this is the most important thing. But in a year's time, will I remember it? In five years' time, will I remember it? You know, do I remember things that happened 20 years ago? Well, in some way I do. In some ways they're embodied in me and have a, an impact upon how I am now. Yeah. But at the same time, they're forgotten threads. You know, I think about arguments or discussions <laughs> that are just, you know, they're vanished through time. And, it, and, and so there's something really interesting there about how do we, because I think otherwise you can become just overwhelmed and paralyzed and at a point where you can't move, you can't act, you can't leave the home, you can't do good if good is what you want to do, or you can't just carry on if carry on is what you want to do. If you allow everything to fully impact you and hold it all in this moment, mm. it's mm. just too much. And so there, there has to be a, this is important, but it's not important for me anyway, philosophy, um, around things because I think that also helps you around change especially when change happens to you I know we're always in control of how we respond I say we're in control we like <laughs> to think we're in control but sometimes that's not what's going on but you know when something happens to us um, recognizing that yeah it's important right now but in a year's time we might not even remember it I think yeah. I think can be 
be liberating whilst holding us in our in our current state and our current emotion. Yeah. One thread that I'm just really in touch with uh, hearing you speak from all of these different angles is this this capacity for perspective taking that I hear you mm. kind of like you you mentioned earlier uh about your outrage how much of this is is quote unquote justified and how much of this is mine to look at and and in a way mm. it's right there in that moment, I saw you kind of taking multiple perspectives on your own interior yeah. experience. And so there's, yeah. and then, then, then here's this kind of deep time perspective and here's this paradoxical, it really matters, but also it doesn't matter at all perspective. And like, so there's a lot of different ways in already that I hear you fi- like finding your way into the present moment. And I just want to mirror that back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, you know, people listening or, or watching will kind of go, oh, wow, that's, you know, that that's a wonderful way to to hold the world. I have to admit that it doesn't always work like that. <laughs> there are times when I'm just, you know, I'm just angry about something or upset about something or hurt about something. And that's all I can feel. And, mm. you know, one of the practitioners that I've worked with over the years, she's like, just feel that then allow that feeling to exist because if you try and squash it, push it away, do something with it, it's going to find its way back. So just feel it and then just notice it and and feel it in the body and and just be aware of it and then see where does it take you, but allow it to have its own journey, allow it to process itself um, without you trying to do something with it. And so I have my days where it's not very philosophical at all. And there there is no paradox in my thinking. There's just like, oh, that's happened or I've got to go and do this or whatever that might be. Yeah. But I like to take that time to sit back from it and go, okay, that happened. Yeah, I had part in that. The world had a part in that. Others had a part in that. We can look at all the dimensions. I can have my emotions and my ego and all of those things can, can exist. Mm. And then you get on because yeah. we get on and change happens and we move forward. Yeah. I really, uh, I'm really touched by your mentor's insight and the way you're speaking to it, which is this sort of, I'm hearing both some, a measure of self-compassion there. Like, Hey, yeah, you're a person. People get angry. Mm. People get afraid it would be strange if you didn't feel those, it would, there would be something there to look at if you didn't feel those yeah. things. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's this wonderful, again, I, 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 maybe I'm, I'm just over indexing on paradoxes here, but this sort of choosing to allow is this just wonderful kind of choice. That's like, Oh, I'm angry. I can fight it. I can fix it. I can repress it. I can, I can, I can express it. Or it's just like, Oh, I'm angry. Oh, I'm just going to let it happen. Yeah. Right? There's just that little subtle shift towards rather than trying to do something about the anger, simply allow the anger to do something to you. I, is this like, just, that feels really important to me right now. Yeah. You know, I see uh, friends or, or colleagues or people around me being angry and doing anger and going, let's be angry together and do something. And I'm like, I'm not sure that's the energy at which to to go at something with. Now I get that anger can be a beautiful spark to begin something, but I feel that if it's the continued spark or fuel that we use, then at some point from my perspective, that becomes toxic. Mm. So Mm. it's like, it can be your spark to push you 
to go, right, I'm going to make a change. And then it's like, what's the bigger thing that you can hold that enables you to keep moving and keep that momentum to enable that change to take place or enable yourself to take action? What's the bigger vision that you need to hold that enables that to happen? Or what's the deeper value that you need to hold onto or remember that allows you to keep moving forward and not just the anger? Because, you, you know, we've all got... I say we've all, <laughs> all the coaches will be going, oh, there's an interesting term you're using there, Robert. But <laughs> we, we, you know, we, we have friends who are the angry friends and we choose not to spend all of our time with them because that anger rubs off and it doesn't feel good. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then even there, there's that moment of, there's an opportunity to, you know, this is, this is we could just keep diving deeper. Like, why doesn't it feel good? Oh, that's interesting. What, it, right. There's again, this part, what does that say about me? And what does that say about mm. them? And what does that say about the world? Like there's this kind of opportunity to anchor in all three of those perspectives yeah. as opposed to getting subsumed or consumed by one of those perspectives. Yeah. 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 And one, I think one of the challenges that I often have in communication is that when somebody goes, this is the way I'm like, but we know that's not true. We know there are multiple ways. And we know even if it, that's the way, there are multiple ways of looking at that way. So we can't hold on to anything as a fixed thing. It's always shifting and, it, and it's moving. I was in conversation with Ashana Crichton uh, as part of one of the, the panel conversations we were having about DEI. And I can't remember the exact words she used. I wish I could. And apologies, Ashana, if I'm getting this all wrong. But she said something like, you know, she's going to argue fiercely about something, but she'll change her mind in a moment. <laughs> and I was yeah. just like, there's something really almost beautiful about this. You know, she's going to go at this and be passionate about it and then go, oh, what did you say? Oh, no, I think that now. And flip and, and be okay with that, which means that when she's in full uh, sort of passion mode in discussion with you, there is, there is no attack in yeah. that. Yeah. It's just her passion exuding into the space. And you know that it might change in a moment. So you don't, you also don't feel that you need to be entrenched in your discussion mm. or your mm. opposing argument mm. with her because you know there is no fixedness to this. I love that. Yeah, that's such a, uh, such a beautiful way of being in this complexity, like a willingness to, I'm hearing in that a willingness to listen to what ignites you and speak for it. But then also listen to what ignites others and see how it how it comes alive in you. And it's sort of this yeah. both end way of being. Like I'm going to take a stand, and I'm also going to dance and move and stand somewhere else if I need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, and I think you know, as a coach, there's something really important for me about you know having things I believe in and things I value, but also being willing to let them go and. and believe and value something else if if that feels appropriate to me mm. because if i become this fixed thing when i work with others mm. then that's mm. gonna i'm unconsciously going to be calling for them to be fixed and actually mm. my work with others is calling for them to have the courage to create change mm. Mm. or have mm. the courage to face the change that they they want to create or to look deeper inside what is what is it they really want and and to to explore that now if i'm fixed i, I don't create an environment 
where they can be fluid and change. Yeah, yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, this is this feels like the moment where I want to dive deeper into how you think about your work and and think about mm. that change space you just spoke to this this space yeah. of courage the space of of deeper awareness and um i feel like we could go into this in a few different ways but but one way i might put on the table for us to look at together that's really present for me right now as as a as sort of a, a white-bodied american male who is who cares a lot about um building a multicultural intersectional multi-dimensional worlds like that's the world i want to be a part of and i want my kids to grow up in and i've just been thinking a lot about in particular what is it what does it mean to hold space for change that invites in and allows for questions around these identities that can feel so uh fraught with social cultural political stuff and also with in power imbalances and, mm. and, you know, like just as a simple, for instance, um, as a, as a, as a coach, I'm going to be working with a client today who's, who's a black man, right. Or, or in a, in a black identifying body and sort of, it's like, okay, I trust, I both fully trust myself to hold that fluid change space. Mm. And I sense that there are probably ways in which I can deepen my own capacity to hold that across some of these identity boundaries that mm. are identities that are, in us and around us. So yeah, I'm just sort of putting this on the table and I would love to hear you play with it or push back or help me evolve around this. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really interesting because there, there, there is a, there's a simplicity and a complexity yeah. to this, this, this idea or sense of identity. And I think sometimes as a coach, we have to inquire, uh, get curious, create wonderment about what does your identity mean for you, person sat across from me doing this work? Because my sense of what identity means is irrelevant to you because (laughs) because your sense of identity is the most important thing Mm. that's Mm. that's here. And Mm. so... How do we create a space that allows that identity to express itself in its multifaceted ways? And how do I inquire to inquire? Uh, how do I enable th- that to happen? Mm-hmm. So, how do I stay curious about who are you and what does that mean to you? And what does that mean to you in your relationship with the world? Mm. So how Mm. does the world relate to you? How do you relate to the world? And how does your sense of self get impacted and buffeted, Mm. carried by that? Because I, you know, I, 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 I meet people and talk with people. I really don't care who or what they are. I usually, you are the person that's out in front of me and I care about the work that we're going to do. Yeah. And I care about who you believe you are because that has an impact on the story that you tell about yourself. 
And therefore, the stories that you create about how the world is treating you or how you're treated in the world or what's possible for you in the world. So your sense of identity, that character, kind of speaking to my narrative stuff here, but that character that you present to the world has these faculties or abilities that that create resonance and, and dissonance. And so what do you believe that to be? Yeah. And yeah. how is that showing up for you? And what's that creating for you? And is there anything in that that's also important to the work that we're doing, whatever mm. that work might be? Mm. Mm. Um, and I guess in, in a simple way, it's like you're you. What's the you that you want to be? <laughs> and how do I both bracket and embrace my interpretations of you mm. because we, we, we have it right. We, we have our interpretations of who is this person before me that, that I sit to work with and what does, what are they wearing? How are they speaking? How are they looking at me? What is the, the tone of their skin? What is the, the energy that they exude uh, what is the accent or the tone of voice that they have? And all of these things, because we are human and we are meaning-making machines, create meaning for us. And as coaches, we're going, is that true? Is that true? Is that true? I don't know. So, so let's question it. And so we, we can't not make meaning because that's what our brain does to get us through the day. Yeah. Yeah. But we can challenge and question our meanings and, and notice when they where they might be guiding us to ask a particular question and go, well, why am I asking that question when I wouldn't ask that question of somebody else? What's that mean? Mm, mm, what mm. am I taking from what's in front of me and making that relevant where it may or may not be relevant? Mm, mm. Yes, yeah, this, this, I love your phrase. It's a bracket and an embrace. Yeah. We can't, there's, we can't, push away the fact that we are meaning makers yeah it's happening so quickly and and yeah. we're making meaning and, and meaning is making us we're, we're making each other there's this just super dynamic process of of identity making and self-making and each other mm-hmm. making that's happening and I, I hear you again speaking to this ability to be aware of that hy- hyper dynamic process and sort of look at it and get curious yeah. about it in yeah. relation to whatever it is you might be sitting with a, with a client around. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it can be really simple things. Like I see a plant in your background and I've got plants in my background. So I, I could do this assumptioning or this unconsciousing of, oh, we're both plant people. But that, that might not be yours. Somebody may put it there. You know? <laughs> and these may not be mine. This may not be my, my apartment or, or all of those things. It's like, so check in on, on that. You know, and, and is it relevant? Is it relevant? Because there's a bit of me that it's relevant to, but it's like that bit of me that it's relevant to, is that relevant to our work? Yeah. Uh, you know, I look at the the soundboards I that love, you have. I am a plant person, by the way. I love them, so, <laughs> so you got that one right. <laughs> you know, I look at the, 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 um, the soundboards behind you and um, I look at the colors and I go, do the colors mean something? And then it's like, well, wait a minute is that about the work or is that my curiosity or is that our curiosity? And then I can invite as as a coach, I can invite us to explore that 
or I can inquire, you know, it, does, does that mean something to you? Does that, does that have a bearing on something here or does it not? And if it doesn't, cool, let's move on. But if it does, then what is that? Let's look at that. Let's explore that. Mm. And that other piece for you know, coaching, we often talk about it being future focused and now orientated. And in the olden days, we say I had nothing to do with the past, but as we've evolved, we recognize that the past is we have to visit that past because yes. our experiences make us who we are. We have to yes. look at sometimes what are those major experiences. And so when I think about identity, I go, what I sort of have this thought, what are the experiences that, that have, that you have experienced that go to making up some of your felt sense of identity and who mm. you are? What are the mm. things that have happened to mm. you that you go, well, that happens to me because I'm me. And sometimes we don't even remember those things. So I was talking with some friends of mine uh, a couple of months ago. Um, I, my two best friends, we we had our own theatre company, a physical theatre company. So I also trained as an actor. I trained as a mime artist. And we used to travel uh, around the world doing our, our so physical cool. theatre shows and, and teaching clowning and, and all sorts. And um, two black guys and one white guy. And we were having a chat because another one of our friends had talked about being stopped to the airport yet again and what this means and what's this about. And and I kind of was like, oh, wait, I always get stopped. And I've just forgotten about it. It's become part and parcel mm. of, of mm. who I am that I'm just mm. kind of like when I don't get stopped I'm surprised as opposed mm. to when I do and, and and the white guy Steve was like yeah you you two always whenever we went anywhere you two always got stopped and I was like isn't that fascinating yeah and he made a joke about that meant he could you know uh he could be the bad one he, he could be the drug mule, not that he was, but he, he could have been because he was with us. We were the ones that got stopped and searched and not him. And so we made some jokes about this, but this also speaks to, this speaks to power. This speaks to justice or injustice. This, this speaks to that sense of identity, that, that experience gives me a, a way of behaving. Uh, I, I notice if I go into an expensive shop and I buy something I hold on to the receipt in my hand mm, mm, or I keep mm. it close by because I, I, there's just a little bit of me that says you're going to, somebody's going to be looking at you mm, just mm. by being who you are and how you show up. There's going to be that. And it's like, Oh, that's just interesting. When I notice it in store sometimes and I, I'll say to my partner, Oh, we're being followed. And she'd be like, what? And I go, yeah, that guy, that's, he's a security guard. And he's just, he's just noticed us. Mm. Uh, and, and, and so that is a layer of identity. Now, in the work that we're doing in a coaching session, that may have absolute relevance and absolute non-relevance. So as the coach, I can't choose what's relevant. I have to inquire what's relevant and, and allow your identity to make itself present in the space as part of the work that we do. Yeah, that was that really touches me, the... I'm hearing a wonderful invitation towards this capacity to be aware of both your own layers and your, and the person, the, the possible layers that might be present in the person across mm. from you and to hold those as possibilities without getting too attached to them or making yeah. too much meaning yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when we get attached and we start to make meaning, we start to box things in and we start to lose the possibility. We start to lose the tendrils of where we might go. And when, when we start to do that, we start to hem somebody down a path that's a, 
that we have designed them to go down. And and this can be so unconscious, you know, they can just say something and we go, ah, that's the thing. And we're off and we're chasing that thing because it it means something to us. And it's like, no, it doesn't matter what it means to you. I mean, you can bring it, you can, you can share it, you can challenge it um, and explore it, but you have to be willing to, for someone to go, ain't that. And you just let it go. And I have to say that this, this, you know, I didn't wake up as a coach like this. <laughs> you know, this has taken time and, and it's still growing and evolving and shifting and changing. But, you know, I remember when I first trained as a, as a coach, I would get hooked on to, ah, this, I, I, ah, I know what your issue is here. I, I know what this is. <laughs> And then, you know, doing more sort of existential work and going, well, I don't know. Let me, how do I sit in unknowing and be okay with that? Gosh. And and, and wrestle with that without it being an issue. And and, and also that I think there is, as a a new coach wanting to give value, we want to rush to the end. And as a more experienced coach, we recognize there isn't an end, so there's no point rushing. (laughs) Mm. so there's uh there's a lot moving in me right now but one thing i'm in touch with is that part of me in particular that i've done some work with and it sounds like you have done for yourself and that and that we do with clients around wanting to be right or wanting to have the answer or wanting to solve or fix and underneath that want or that desire, or that push, there's some, again, I'll speak for myself, but I have a sense that it's true for many of us, that there's a fear there mm. that like, if I, if I don't solve this client's problem, they're going to see right through me. Yeah. If, um, if I say the wrong thing right now, uh, they're going <laughs> to exile me. They're going to get upset at me. If I, if, if, if there's all these kind of what ifs that are just Right there, if we know to look for them, pushing pushing behavior and pushing this kind mm. of like attached, agended energy that um, I have firsthand. I just like you, like in my early coaching days, I have some really like embarrassing stories about like knowing <laughs> for sure what was up with this client <laughs> and just like just creating a whole lot of mess in the process because yeah. it's just like, yeah, how can you know? How yeah. can you know? And and I think what I've got better at over the over time is going. This is a relationship, and we're both in this relationship exploring something. And through our relating, stuff emerges, and as it emerges, we look at it and we decide what we want to do. It now sometimes if you're if it's very performance orientated work there's a different flow and a different pace and different energy to it. But in the work that I like to do, it's, it's like, well, let's just explore and let's see where this takes us. And you've got this idea that of what you're bringing and let's both accept that that may be the absolute thing we look at, but it may just be the jump off point. Yeah. 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 And one thing I'm noticing actually, as, as you say that as part of our work, I sense is the ability not only to hold that, that deep inquiry in ourselves, but to invite our clients into it because 
people come in saying like, I need help with something like, I like relationship, uh, confidence, uh, my work sucks. Like, and it's like, can you just please, like, in a sense, there's a simplicity. Can you just please relieve me of this discomfort? Can we just fix this? So it's like this, this, again, there's that, like, how do, what do I bring? What do they bring? What do we together create? And so there's this actually paradoxically the, the, like, anchoring to like help them slow down and get curious. And in those moments we're like, why are we going this way? Help them just trust, you know, that sort of seems to be a big part of the work too. Yeah. And, and share, and share your, not share your process because I don't think we necessarily need to go, well, I'm doing this because of this. Now I'm doing this because of that, because that can just confuse what's happening. And sometimes you get to the point where you don't even know why you're doing it. You just know it feels right to do. So you're going to, you go ahead and, and, and experiment and, and play. But I think there is an importance to share some of our philosophy with the people that we work with. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk to people about that, that, you know, I, I love this whole kind of narrative stuff and what's the story that we're, we're playing here and, and who are we showing up as here? And that I like to work in a very emergent way. Um, and it's all very fluid and and I want your permission to say things and to name things and to notice things and is and let's do that because that's how I want to work. And then mm-hmm. and then the person sat with me is going, cool, I know what's going to happen here. I'm not going to be surprised by by what's going on. Or if I am surprised, it's going to be a surprise that's going to shock me into doing some different thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, this is, I'm, I'm really glad we're exploring this territory. And I hope that, that when people hear this, they feel, you know, whether or not they're working with a coach, they feel what's possible to move through the world in the way you're describing this kind of perspective, taking this awareness and embrace of our meaning making capacities, but the also willingness to bracket them, to slow down, to play and experiment and to not get too attached there there seems to me, you know, that you're describing good coaching, but there seems to me to be something about like good living or maybe good is too, too, too kind of has too much of a moral valence, but just like living in the midst of this life that we're in. And, and it also brings its own challenge and chaos because I'm aware that there are, people, <laughs> there are people around me that are just like, it doesn't mean anything. It just, it's just this. And there wasn't anything in my tone. It was just my tone. And I'm like, well, my spidey senses are pinging, so yeah. I don't know what to say. You said something, and but there was something else going on, or they felt like there was something underneath that, and they're like, "I don't want to talk about the underneath. I just want to do this." I'm like, "Okay." So, so whilst I think it's, there's something very um, very, I guess, useful might be a word about this thinking and this exploration, I, I notice for others that sometimes that becomes a frustration in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's because they don't want to look. Yeah. And other times it's because they just want to move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, the, again, there's a wonderful both end, like to be not attached to attached if your client isn't ready or doesn't want to look. Mm. And maybe really it is the best thing that like we simply, if we looked at everything and this, maybe we can talk a bit about the narrative approach a bit more specifically, but we literally can't look at everything. Part of our ability to 
unconsciously let go of stuff and move forward is how we make it through the kind of yeah. infinite flow of sensory information and yeah. experience that's yeah. coming at us all of the time, right? Like, so we simply couldn't slow down and look at every single thing. And we want to honor uh, that, that ability to yeah. keep moving. And there are times when like, yeah, your spidey senses are probably spot on. There's something there yeah. in, in the unseen that if, and when that person is ready to see it, everything that they are, have been wanting, loving, longing for, and afraid of all at once will start to reveal itself yeah. and they're ready to look. And that's the thing. It's like, when, when is that person ready to face this? And they may never be ready and they may be ready tomorrow. And as a coach to recognize that the work that we do together is also just a catalyst for what happens outside of this space. Yeah. Yeah. And then the person you're working with goes out into the world and makes sense of what happened in that space with you. And there are adjustments and changes and, and things happen. And, you know, we, we sometimes have this kind of these conversations where we say, you know, I was working on X with my, with, with my, my, my client, my thinking partner, whatever phrase we want to use for that person that sits with us. Um, and I, I worked out this whole plan and there's all, there's all these exercises we could do to work on it. And they came back and it was dealt with and it was gone and it was moved on. And it was like, yeah, because they, they are processing and, and changing and doing all of that work afterwards because we, have, not we as in I'm the most important person because I've stimulated that thinking. But in, in that relationship together, we stimulate thinking and that thinking continues beyond the session itself. Yeah. Yeah, there's a catalytic quality to it that mm. that unfold. It's sort of it's something something happens every time, even if even if it's not what we think it's going to happen. It's, yeah, there's something catalytic there. Yeah. So you mentioned you sort of alluded to, and and I feel like in a way we are already talking about it in depth, but maybe you could just unpack this sort of narrative approach that you mm. that you named a bit, so that that we might sort of help people anchor in that even more consciously as a way of understanding their self and the, in the world that we're in. Yeah. So it, it, it's a really interesting journey around this. So I trained as an actor and when I came into contact with coaching and the, the questions you would ask your client or your coachee, um, I was like, wait, these are the questions that an actor asks of their character that they are playing. Oh, cool. <laughs> I was like, this is really interesting. So, so you know, all of those who, what, when, why, where, how questions, mm. there are the questions that we ask of the client and of the, of, the, of the character that we're playing when we're an actor and we're looking for what is it that this character is trying to do? What are they trying to achieve through this narrative? And so what are the things that they are doing that is enabling them to achieve that? What do people think they're doing or think of them? What do they say about them that give me clues as to how I can portray them? Mm. And mm. I, I kind of thought about that and was kind of going, this is really interesting. So I'm just a character living out a story that's called life. And there are things that I do and ways that I show up that cause life to unfold in a particular way that's interesting. That's, you know, that's, that's a play, that's a story. Um, and 
then came across, I think it was Michael White I came across first, mm, mm. who talked about, you know, the, the things that are going on. How might you name those things? How might you categorize those things? You know, the, the, the critic in your mind, how about giving it a name and a characteristic and taking it from inside to outside so you can converse with it? Mm. I was like, mm. oh, okay, right. You know, this is like when the, when a, 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 um, an actor does that, those soliloquies and they're talking to themselves, right? I'm like, oh, wow, okay. And then I, I, I came uh, then into contact with David Drake and his work. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh there's, there's language for this stuff. This, this stuff has meaning. People have thought about this already before, before me. This wasn't like, I've, I've come up with this new way of working. <laughs> this just exists, right? Yeah. And, um, and Still also, pretty, I, pretty cool that you were tuning in, tuning into it yeah, in this really intuitive, yeah. intuitive way. And, and there's this this work that I did um, when I when I first left drama school. I worked with a company called the the London Bubble Theatre Company, and they did um, a, a form of theatre called Forum Theatre, uh, and I think other people call it Reenact Theatre, where the show happens. Then the show stops. A character that's called the Joker steps forward and says, we're going to rerun the show. But the protagonist, that person that's been not able to succeed through these challenges, every time you see an opportunity for them to do something different, you're going to shout stop. And you're going to tell us what the different action might be. And so I did this, you know, wow. 30, <laughs> 30 odd years ago. And, and that's like, that's coaching, right? You know, you're, you're sat there with the person going, so, you know, what do you want to achieve? All right. So how might you do that? What are the different ways? How else? How else? How else? What else? Okay. So who would you need to be in order to make that happen? So who were you being when that happened? Mm. Okay. So let's really look at what's the environment around that. How is that environment causing that to happen? So what might you need to change in the environment? And when I talk about environment, I'm talking about, the, the physical space, but the energetic space, but I'm also talking about what are you choosing to wear? What are you choosing to, to smell like on that day? You know, how is that impacting how you show up? So how can you be at, at your best you? And, and the work, I guess, that I'm doing is going, how do we strip all of that back to find who you are? And then when we find who you are, then we can decide what we, you can decide what you want to do with that. Because until you get a sense of that, then you're just playing the roles that others have given you because, yes. you know, I recognize if I just go for myself, mm. you know, I'm a, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a partner, uh, I'm a dad, I'm an uncle, I'm a colleague, I'm a friend, uh, I'm, a, I'm a mentor, I'm a trainer, I'm a coach, I'm a supervisor, uh, uh, I, I, I'm all of these things and yeah. more. I'm yeah. male. I'm black. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm from the East End, but I don't sound like I'm from the East End. <laughs> all, all of these yeah. things yeah, yeah. are, you know, are calling on me to be a particular way. All people are responding on those things in a particular way, and I can make adjustments to those, or I can look at, you know, what does, what does being a son mean to me and my mum? You know, how yeah. do we relate to that? okay, what are you calling for me to do? And what do I want to do? And how can we be okay in that? And same with my brother and my sister. What are you calling for from me here? What's the role that I'm, I've been assigned? And what do I want to assign or reassign? So I'm the eldest. Do I want to be the eldest? Mm. 
You know, mm. that, that wasn't a particular choice of mine. <laughs> but we can reassign that notion of eldest and taking charge or responsibility because those roles that we play or we are called to play have an impact on how we show up in the world and can be part of what is creating our stuckness or our challenge. And when we look at them, we can go, oh. So, you know, I'm a classic rescuer. You know, I have to work really hard uh, not to rescue. And uh, uh, colleagues will go, wait, are you you rescuing here? And I'll go, am I? Oh, pants, I am, aren't I? Right, let me step away uh, from that. And, you know, when I talk to my coach or my my therapist or my thinking partner, there's this whole thing of, well, you were the oldest. Mm. You know, you know, mm. you were in a, a a family where you had younger siblings that you had to take care of, and you had to make sure they didn't get into trouble and things didn't happen, and and you took the hit for them, not the physical hit, but I mean the you would get into trouble or you would own up to something so that they didn't get into trouble because you were the oldest, and, mm. and it, it drove you to a kind of behaviour. Now that behaviour is, I think, it's a beautiful trait. But when overplayed, it creates challenges. Mm. Mm. So you have to kind of check in on that. And that's yeah. part of the characteristic that makes up you or me in this case. Yeah. Robert, you are just like, I just want to like share that the the felt sense experience right I'm having right now. There's like just I'm feeling a ton of joy and playfulness and possibility around this what you just described. And if I were to sort of attempt to distill that down, it's this. Yet again, this beautiful paradox in that we are not our roles, but the but the roles we play and the and how we play them is the way that we can express ourselves in the world. Yeah. And yeah. that you you are you're just chronologically, sort of factually, you're the eldest sibling. And then that as a result of that, there's these dynamics at play that lead you to certain behaviors. Yeah. And at some point you can go, oh. Well, I, I can't really change the fact chronologically that I'm the eldest, but I can change how I show up as the eldest. Yeah. And I can play that role in a way that's as authentic. I mean, again, I'm thinking of actors, like the, the actors who somehow fully inhabit the character. Like you just mm. you don't even see the actor anymore. And then, you know, yeah. the, the, you can imagine the cut and, and they maybe they stay in character or maybe they're like, Hey, let's go grab a burrito. Right. Like, you know, like there's just the ability to sort of drop into the role so fully that, uh, that the role comes to life and they're more than just the role. Yeah. And then in, in, in saying all of that to recognize, is that a role you're playing or is that you, you're being? Yeah. Yeah. Because if it's a role you're playing, then you're not being you. So where's the you in that? Right. And, and, and that can be, really interesting when we you know if you if you think about um uh you know if you, if you think about the, the, the kind of the, the the classic um if i go back to my time as as growing up so so this isn't saying that this is for everybody or this isn't what everybody does or believes or behaves in so i just want to kind of caveat that i guess um but if i think about you know as a as a male, there was an assumption of the the role that you would play yeah. out in society. Mm. And um, if you didn't play out that role, you were seen as odd or wrong or were challenged or outcast. 
and um so we played those roles in order to stay safe within those environments, right? Yes. Because we're interdependent yes. and, we, and we, we, we need that, that safety, especially as we're growing up. Otherwise we, we we're left in the woods and the, the wolves come and get us or whatever it is. Right. Right. And then there's a question of, you know, you play that for so long that you no longer recognize whether that's you or not. I think it's Bernie Brown that talks about, we wear the armor. We've worn the armor for so long, we don't even recognize we're carrying it around. Yes. And when we take it yes. off, there is this profound sense of lightness because we've let go of all these layers that we've carried. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, to me, that that distills the kind of, the core possibility latent in this, in the, the work of self-discovery is to discover that you are not this role that you are not this armor and that it makes so much sense that you would have taken it on mm. and uh and you can continue to choose to the extent at which you want to keep it on that's your choice yeah. Yeah. but notice that you actually have a choice about whether or not you're yeah. about taking it on and off and yeah. then suddenly as you as you make that choice and i've seen this happen for myself i sense it's happened for you and and lots of people we worked with, but like, as you make that choice, suddenly roles you hadn't, didn't even know were realize you were playing become more like, Oh, there's more choices I can make. And then yeah. also other roles that you didn't even know you always wanted to play suddenly can become available. You, Oh, you mean I can, I can go create this or be that or do this. Yeah. yeah. That didn't even seem like a possibility. Oh, it's because you've been wearing this armor. You've been, you've yeah. been, you believed it was all of you. And when in fact yeah. it was just part of you. And, and also you, you become aware of roles that you were playing that you didn't know you were playing. Yeah. <laughs> so people go, Oh, you're not, you know, so, so this, this is a, a an interesting point that, that might help with this or not, or may cause more confusion. I don't know. But when I, I don't deliver the training with, with animus uh, a, anymore, I, I, I was part of the training team who have kind of moved out of that, that's that piece. Yeah. This is the, the coaching um, school that you help, yeah, help run. Yeah. Animus coaching, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I used to say in, in Foundations, which was our first um, uh, training module, our first uh, set of two days together, I used to say, um, we're, we're, you know, we're in this constellation of planets and we're all our own little planets, our own little um, uh, Milky Way. And we have our friends and our families and our work colleagues and they all orbit around us. And going through this changing your orbit is going to shift because this train is going to cause you to ask questions of yourself that you haven't asked before or realize, recognize, challenge, evoke, whatever that might be. And therefore you shift your orbit. And so all these other orbits, all these other planets and stars that are spinning around you and connected to you go, Oh, wait a minute. There's a, there's a, there's a shift here. Mm. And we'll readjust to that. Now, in that readjustment, some of them might try to pull you back to where yeah. you were and not want you to go on that, that change journey. Um, others will spin away and disappear mm. in another uh, milkway, and others will readjust around you. And then new planets and stars will form orbits around you and you around them. And I, and I think that's the same for the, when we change in terms of our learning about coaching or we change because we're being coached or we're experiencing self-development or we're, we're taking on or taking off roles. There are these shifts in our orbits and everybody else shifts and moves around us. 
And sometimes people don't want us to shift. So they get very gravitational about holding us where we are. Because if we change, it causes them to have to look at themselves. Yes. And they may not know that consciously. uh, But, and it also, if you change, it might mean you no longer provide the thing that they rely on you to provide. Yes. I feel like you've just named, so that was a beautiful metaphor and, and we've, we've sort of been working it at the level of individual and in a way, I feel like you've named a really sort of powerful psychosocial dynamic that at play, when we look at some of the bigger kind of questions that I know are important to you and are important to me around equity and and justice Mm. and diversity and inclusion, right? Like if we change, we, a particular group of people change, or some people among us change, what impact does that have on another group of people who did, who, who as a result are going to have to look right. And the intensity of that uh, don't change, stay where you're supposed to be can be, can be brutal. I mean, at the level of the individual and the level of, of social. So just really like name the way that you've named that that dynamic feels really important to be for us to be aware of as, as human beings yeah I, you know I, I was talking to uh uh lu chu who is a uh, a coach and I'm, I'm gonna say psychotherapist but that might be wrong i may have just added that to the list of things that, <laughs> that she does and she's going through her master's at the moment and she's in the process of coding and one of the the conversations we had recently was about the systems of injustice and how it is systemic. And, and so it's not just about the individual creating change. It's about how groups of individuals, individuals create change in a way that changes the systems. Because when we just change inside the system, the system, the wider system still exists it's like, so how do you get into the bigger system? Yeah. You know, how much, you know, that, that, that sense of, it's not about working with, the, it, it is about working with the individual, but it's about working with many individuals. And so yeah. how do you amplify what you do so that you can create that reverberance through mm. systems, mm. through energies mm. that then enables wider scale change to happen and not be fooled by the idea that you are too small to create the change, that you're too small to impact mm-hmm. the system. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I'm hoping you and Lou came up with a really clear, definitive answer to how to do that. So if you could please just tell me <laughs> and anyone listening how we change these, reverberate these larger I'll, I'll systems. I'll leave that to Lou and the, and the, and the, <laughs> the, the great work that, that she is, is doing. And, you know, she's just a really, it's, you know, I think I get, I'm just kind of noticing my own kind of uh, goosebumps as I think about the the privilege I have of speaking to the people I get to speak to mm. and and having the conversations I get to have. At the moment, um, uh, Animus is doing a series of of conversations around diversity, equity, uh, inclusion, um, and we've sort of created created themes. I say we've created theme. Uh, Kat Bennett, who is our um, community and events manager has, has created a set of themes and we've invited people to have conversations with us and then uh, that sort of widening coaching community uh, are part of those conversations webinar um, and, and we, we kind of talk about this stuff and I'm just like I get to 
speak with the most amazing people mm. that, that are mm. passionate and, and this is their life's work. And they share these little nuggets of wisdom and inspiration with me. And I go, this is a, this is a great job, right? This is, a, <laughs> this is an amazing space to be in. I get yeah. to, yeah. to have those interactions uh, w- with people and, and, and in those interactions hear about how they are going about making the change. Yeah. Whether it's they're just coaching individuals, I say just, I don't mean to to belittle the coaching of individuals, whether they're coaching individuals, whether they're coaching organizations, whether, mm. whether they're training people to work with teams or systems, whether they're working systemically, uh, whether they're working with, with shame, you know, what is it that whatever it is that they are doing, mm. being witness to the part that they are playing in creating change. Mm. Mm. And how, you know, because some of that's about climate change, some of that's about systems, some of that's about uh, justice and and, and equity, uh, and, and some of that's just about having a happy life, whatever happy yeah. means to you. But it all builds into this bigger philosophical existential, how do we relate to each other in such a way that we are all able to relate in the way that we would like to relate? Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. I, um, if people listening in want to, are, are these things that people can conversations, people can access somewhere online or are they mm. happening kind of locally where you are? So, so, uh, we've got four throughout August. So depending on when you're listening to this, it, it may have gone, gone by, but they will be on our, um, will be part of our podcast. So we, we have a podcast, which is, uh, coaching uncaged. So they will be part of that. And they'll also be part of our YouTube channel as well. Right. So you can go and view or, or listen to these conversations. And my my desire is to, I guess, is, is part of that, you know, thing that I, we, we were talking about earlier is being the catalyst of starting these conversations to start more conversations and to start more conversations to get people talking and thinking without going, you should or you shouldn't, because I'm I'm not very good when somebody says to me, but you should care about this thing. <laughs> should, yeah, should's yeah. a word we could have, have had a whole conversation yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, you know, I, but I don't care about it, or I do care about it, but now you've told me I should care about it, the child in me wants to not care about it. So it's like, uh, I, I guess I talk about this stuff as invitations. This is just an invitation for you to think about this or for you to ponder this or for you to notice this in the work that you do. So when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, I'm not saying for coaches to bring that to their coaching session and go, this is how I coach but to be aware of this and to notice where does this show up in, in, in my work, you know, it is my client pool, a diverse pool. And if not, what's that about? What am I putting out that might be causing that very closed pool? Uh, And it, and it might be that you have a niche and that, and that niche talks to that group of people. But then I would argue, why aren't there other people within that niche? Mm -hmm. What's stopping them from getting there? Mm -hmm. And it may be your work, to do, but it may just be you to, to ask that question of an organization or a system just to get them thinking about it and them exploring uh, what that might be. Um, and just, just notice how, how and where you're showing up and, and what you're doing. One of the, the kind of starting points for me uh, about 
this work, although it's kind of always been a backbone of everything that I've done, was when I first qualified as a coach and I would go to coaching conventions and conferences and events and I'd go, where's everybody else? I mm. feel like people are missing here. Where are they? And I would just have this conversation to myself and it wasn't until, you know, we had the passing of George Floyd where as an organisation we went, well, what can we do here? What's mm. our part? And I was very much like, well, we're coaches. I'm a coach. I work in a coaching school. Let's let's do the work here because mm. this is this is where mm. we have uh, mm. uh, traction, influence, uh, the ear of others, I guess. And and just started asking that question. So where where are others at these conferences? Why aren't they there? How do we get them there? How do we give them a voice at our conferences? How do we ask the question of why you know why aren't black, brown, Asian? whatever the, the describer you might want to use or labor you might want to place on somebody, why, why isn't everybody at the party? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so yeah. how do we get everybody at the party? And are they choosing to go to a different party? Because for a while I kept saying, maybe all the black coaches at the black coaches conference around the corner and <laughs> I don't know about it. You know, is, wow. is there something yeah. happening that I'm not aware of that I haven't tapped into? Um, and and to just and so began to ask that question, which really kind of catapulted a whole series of of thoughts and thinking and work about well, how do we get everybody to the party, and what is this party anyway, and 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 who you know who holds the keys to the door of this party, and how do we have conversations with them about everybody being at the party, mm, mm. and and how because the other thing in this is I'm not I'm not saying. <laughs> you should have everybody at the party because you're just going to get defensive. Right. But I'm going, Hey, are there others that can be here? And how do we do that? And yeah. what would that be like? And, and wouldn't this be a better party? Like, yeah. Hey, like your party could be better. This isn't amazing. Yeah. <laughs> let's get more people yeah. in the party. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's get the jokers and the drunkards and the dancers and the music makers. Let's get them all at the party so we can have a richer experience of this and we can learn from each other and each other's experiences. Yeah. Because in, in, in that there is, there is, there is a growth in that learning from each other through experiencing each other is, is something that I just go, you know, I, I remember when um, I first got into to training to be an actor, I was 15, 16, East End boy, East End black boy, went along to this this drama program. Uh, it was it was called the the um, the Weekend Arts College back then, and uh, the, the 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 artistic director was a lady called Celia Greenwood, who's just a, a, a god amongst gods in in the kind of enabling young people to see their true talent space. Mm. Mm. Um, and I remember going to this place and going there's everybody here. It's like, there's just everybody here. And the play or the dance is the most important thing. Mm. It's not how I mm. feel or my stuff. It's, it's how can we create the best piece of theater, dance, drama, 
possible. And that's the most important thing. And, and I, I think even back then, that was an echo to coaching. It's like, I'm not important. Mm. It's like, mm. there's something else that's more important. How do we bring ourselves to this thing that is more important than, than the individual? Especially when you think about, you know, group coaching or systems coaching, it's like we're looking at something bigger here. How yeah. do we in, impact that through the part that we play? But also just recognizing the impact it had on me in terms of culture, because there are all these different cultures there. And yeah. you know, London's pretty multicultural, but we can sometimes live in our silos, especially, you know, as, as we go through some of our school years and our kind of college years. Um, but also, it, you know, I remember I had to do ballet. And I remember just kind of going, I can't tell anybody this. Mm. How do I express this mm. to some of my other mm. friends that mm. here I am in a leotard doing mm. ballet? It's just mm. like, how do you, mm. how do you, what do you, where do you? Now I'm like, I can fully embrace that. <laughs> but totally. then I remember having a real struggle about because I, I was doing the, the, the drama classes and I, I, I joined the mime class. They were like, hey, you've got some real talent here, but you've got no flexibility or strength. The best way for you to do that is to go and do the ballet class. Off you go. <laughs> I love it. I love uh, it. It's just like, you're kidding me, right? And I turned into the first one and I had like this, this baggy knitted tank top that my mum had made for me and a pair of uh, jogging bottoms and a pair of trainers. And it was a Russian, a male Russian ballet teacher. And he walked over to me and he was just like, what are you wearing? What is this? Uh, I was just like, my stuff. I was a bit, I wasn't particularly cocky, I guess, but I was a bit like, this is what I wear, right? And he was like, not here. He's like, look around you. Like, I ain't doing that. And he put, pulls out these, this tiny, this tiny outfit and goes, go to the bathroom and put this on. <laughs> and you're just completely self-conscious of your body at this point. You're completely going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And and the other guys talk to you about, right, so you need to go to this shop, and you need to buy this, you need to go here, you need to get that, and that is with this and that, and you kind of, you're learning this way. And then, and then you're in it and then you're like, right, Hey, I'm done doing a bit of ballet and it's, and it's all good. Yeah. Wow. I love that. But story. I guess, I guess, well, I guess part of why I'm saying all of that is it's like, it's those differences and those different experiences that make us richer. So we need everybody at the party because it makes us a richer, more rounded human being. I'm, yes. I'm not much of an adventurer in terms of going on holiday. My partner's much more adventurous than me. And I think part of the reason that we're together is because she calls that out in me. She goes, let's go here. Let's do something different. Let's do this. And I go, okay, cool. I, I can just about handle that. And maybe we can do that. And maybe we can do that. I remember. She's like, you're going to have to wear this leotard though. You know that? <laughs> well, uh, oh, no. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> yeah. I'm really uh, touched by what you're evoking here as we come to the, to the, and I, it's sad to say I, we're pat, we've, we've blown our time boundary, which I love. And, uh, and we could keep, keep just like dancing and building the party, but I just, this feels like a really rich place to, to close this evocation of something that we all could create together yeah. that simply wouldn't be possible if we were all just trying to play on our own little stage all the yeah. time. Yeah. And we already have like the, and your insight is in a way we already are creating a thing like parties are happening. 
Yeah. Uh, performances are happening. We're all playing roles in that, in this bigger sort of production. Why don't mm. we make it the best, most yeah. beautiful, most vibrant production we could make it? And the only way that's going to happen, the only way is that if we're willing to kind of put ourselves in these spaces mm. where we're not the center, the always the star player, where yeah. where we yeah. might have to put on the leotard and learn to strengthen our core and... yeah. We might, yeah. yeah, like it just, so thank you for evoking that. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. As we come to a close, Robert, is there anything else you feel called to say? And then I also want to make sure you, people can can find out, like if they want to like go check out these these workshops you've mentioned or anything else where they can find that. I, I guess the, the only thing that I'm, I'm called to, and it's, it's something that I'm experiencing at, at the moment is that, well, no, I was, I am experiencing it. Maybe I am experiencing it. The language was there. So maybe the language is what it is. But when you go through challenges and, and, and change to lean on others, hmm. because they're there to, that they, they play a role in your production. And, hmm. Uh, hmm. you know, this show called Life can be really difficult. It can be really beautiful. It can be really inspiring. But it can also be really challenging and 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 to lean on others when that happens, but also be okay to 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 sit back for a moment to lick your wounds to heal mm. and then go right, let me get back in the arena I mean the arena is the place to be right yeah. but sometimes we need to take a break from the arena so we can fight our best battles yeah beautiful thanks robert here's Thank to. You. Here's to finding our fellow fellow stage players, yeah. fellow role players, those who can help carry us and that we can help carry. And just really grateful you're out there doing this work in the world and that we had a chance to 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 just jam for a bit. This was really fun. Yeah, I've really, really enjoyed it. And, and there's a bit of me is going, I don't quite know what we've spoken about, but it feels like it 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 feels important. I <laughs> I hope that people that listen, there's something here. And it's, it's, you know, it's been absolutely beautiful just to, just to kind of converse and just to kind of see and bounce and play. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have a real felt sense that this was a really special conversation for me, at least for what that's worth as one, as one data point. And we talked about lots of, lots of juicy stuff. So I trust others will find that too. Awesome. Awesome. So thanks again, Robert. And thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Sirqua, and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world's while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others. Consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep this show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, 
I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.